Starting an online business, it can be scary and overwhelming, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who find it really inspiring to hear stories of people who've done it, who succeeded. And that's why I'm so excited about today's guest. It's Karen from Bare Bones Yoga. And Karen started teaching anatomy for yoga teachers already years and years ago, already way before the pandemic. She created her first online course, I think in 2013. And um, we have a conversation about um, how she found her niche, um, why she started teaching online, what she's learned, her mindset blocks, and a lot more. I love talking to her. Her story is truly inspiring and empowering, and I can't wait for you to meet her. So let's dive in. Hey there, welcome to the Blissful Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Susanne Reicher, here to help yoga and wellness entrepreneurs build a thriving online business. If you're ready to make a bigger impact and earn money online, you are in the right place. Each week you learn about websites, digital products, social media strategies, and what's working now to build your online business. And now let's get started. Hi, Karen. Welcome to the Blissful Biz Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. Oh, awesome. I am excited to be here too. This is just so much fun. One of my most favorite things is to have conversations with teachers. So thank you for having me. Great. Can you please introduce yourself in just a few words? So we talk more about your niche and everything you do in more detail. Um, just a few facts to get started so our listeners know who you are. Sure. Um, my name is Karen Fabian, and I'm the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. And my passion is helping teachers master their understanding of anatomy so they can share it with their students in the cues that they share and to share cues with confidence in uh, their ability to create sequences easily and um, so that they are able to just enthusiastically embrace those questions they get from their students. I love that. And we're going to dive into deep, deep dive into how you found that niche, how you transitioned into to that and all that. But first, I want to ask you the most foundational question. What is it about teaching yoga that has always lit your fire? Mm, well, some of that is based in my origin story. And just briefly, I'll just share that I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist when I was in high school. And so when I went to college uh, here in, I live in Boston, I went to Boston University. And when I enrolled, I enrolled in the physical therapy program. And so I did that for two and a half years. And then I thought, oh gosh, I don't know that I want to work just with like the limbs of the body and the muscles of the body. I want to work with the whole person. So I ended up switching within the health sciences division to another related program and ended up working as a discharge planner in a hospital. And so I worked with physical therapists and rehab physicians, and I was focused more on helping the patient get set up when they left the hospital. And so that was my original introduction to anatomy as part of physical rehabilitation. And then it was many years later, many years later, um, in 1999, that I took my first yoga class because a friend of mine was a bodybuilder and he was using yoga posing as part of the sequences he was doing when he was competing. And he said, there's this really hard class. It's really just super challenging. And why don't you come and try it? It's yoga. And I thought yoga, I'd never done yoga in my life. And so when I went, it was like all the bells went off. I thought this is physical therapy. It's also kind of motivational coaching that the teacher is doing with the students. It's working with body, mind, and spirit. It's all the things that I love. And a lot of my initial academic training was it. So that was how I was introduced to yoga teaching as even a possible line of work. 
I love that. I love hearing all the stories. You probably know that. I mean, it's so often that yoga teachers have a background in doing exactly. something else, right? It's very, yeah. very common. Nobody really starts out after high school. Okay, yoga teacher training. Right. That's I mean, it might fun. happen more often now, but at least mm -hmm. that's not how it worked. And yeah, so I'm always really, really interested in hearing about the backgrounds. And um, I think it's also really important to, to point out that Of course, that's part of your experience um, and that's part of your expertise as a yoga teacher as well, your background, because you bring that with you into your teaching. So even when you are a completely new yoga teacher, so often, so very often it's like, oh, they don't have any confidence. They feel like, you know, like, but don't forget everything you've done in the past. You bring exactly. that with you. Exactly. I always say to teachers, um, nothing is lost Nothing is thrown away. All of it can be repurposed and not even really repurposed. All of it can be leveraged uh, because when you're teaching yoga, it's really a large part of it is about authentically sharing from who you are and who you are is in many cases, just this tapestry of life experience, work experience, skill set that you, you've developed and, um, and nothing is wasted. You can always find ways to to use your background to help you be a better teacher. Now, today you have a really um, specialized, strong niche yeah. and online presence. So how did you transition to get there? Um, so can you tell us more about evolving without your career and how you came upon that specific niche? Yeah, well, I came upon the niche of helping teachers master their understanding of anatomy because I love anatomy. And um, and so I, I wanted to kind of, you know, how people say, what's your zone of genius kind of thing. And I don't know that I would necessarily consider myself a genius in anything. However, I'm super passionate about understanding the human movement system. And so I do think it's important for you as a yoga teacher to teach from what you love and to teach from what lights up your interest. And that for me, anatomy was absolutely a match there. And um, so once I decided that was my focus, my classes and my style of teaching really mirrored that in, in that my, my classes in terms of the experience of the student is they were getting a lot of cues that focused on the anatomy. They were learning about the body. Um, that was a big part of my teaching. And then over the years, I started to be um, sought out to train teachers on anatomy as part of other people's 200-hour trainings. So that basic training that all yoga teachers go through, um, the portion on anatomy, I was asked, you know, hey, Karen likes anatomy, especially from people that knew me here in the Boston area. Maybe she wants to teach that part because for whatever reason, and, and I have a lot of thoughts on this because I've talked to teachers over the years about it a lot, anatomy as a subject is something that sometimes people don't really enjoy or they have concerns about if they're going to be able to learn it. There's sometimes fear around, oh, I wasn't good at science. How am I going to be able to remember all this? There's that pressure of feeling like it's all just memorization. So when people knew it was something I loved, I would get asked to teach that part of their teacher training. So I did that for a number of years and I still do that and love that. And then at some point, as I looked at my business I knew that it was going to be helpful to create another path to reaching teachers that didn't require I physically be in front of them. And this was many years ago, long before <laughs> online learning was a thing as it is now, as much as it is so popular now. And so I began to develop uh, online courses on anatomy, essentially as another way to expand my reach to teachers that I didn't have a way to see in person. Oh, when did And you start that? When I started you... that about six, seven years ago. Oh, I wow. put out my first course. And it was a very basic course. And I really didn't know anything about marketing a program on the internet. All I knew as a teacher really was go to a studio, teach a class. The people right in front of you are the people that are your that you're meeting. Um, but over the years, I have really learned 
an extraordinary amount in how to leverage just the power and scope of the internet to reach your target customer and people who are interested in what you have to share. And um, so now at this point, I've basically honed in on, I have one signature program called the Yoga Anatomy Blueprint Learning Program. And that's exactly what it is. It's a blueprint to learning anatomy. And along with the mastering of the knowledge is the learning the skills, what I spoke about before, cueing, sequencing, and answering student questions. So that really has become my main way of of sharing what I love. It's the format within which I do it. And additionally, I also work for uh, teach anatomy to uh, to teachers that are in other people's programs. And you then also of course teach classes, right? I yes. I also teach side. classes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one of the things for all of us as yoga teachers that has impacted how we reach people is the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And so when the pandemic shut down all the studios here in Boston in March of 2020, I obviously stopped teaching in person immediately. And about six months later, I created a practice portal, which basically was created in the same software that I have my courses in. And it was recorded classes. And that became a membership. And so I had that as an offer for folks who um, wanted to practice at home. And there were many months when that was really all people could do. And then when here in Boston, when the restrictions eased a bit and people were going back to class, I changed that from a monthly membership to just a one-time purchase. And then in conjunction with that, I went to offering just free 30-minute classes. And that's what I do now I, in terms of my, my teaching. Uh, for the most part, I teach free 30-minute classes uh, online and it's been so much fun. I, I wanted to make it as barrier-free as possible. So I made them free and I made them time-limited. And I, a lot of the teachers and students that show up to take class, at the end, they'll say, boy, I didn't think I could get much out of just a half an hour of yoga, but I really feel fantastic. <laughs> so I have a lot of different sequences that I offer. It's, it's been so much fun to create different themes. Um, Some are pure anatomy themed, some are just energetically themed. Um, And it's that that has become just kind of a regular part of along with my own podcast and my blog, a part of my kind of free content strategy. I love that, but it's a different audience. How do you, um, how do you work around that? Right? Because you're, buyers, your customers are more yoga teachers. Yes. Yes. Well, what I'm finding is I am getting a lot of teachers coming to my free online classes because they want to see anatomy in action. And then, and so they're seeing class as a way to experience anatomy-based cueing and sequencing. And so there are quite a few teachers that come to class. And I find that out either because I recognize their name as being part of my online community when they sign up, or they'll hang out after class. And I always kind of hang out and, you know, kind of talk to the folks who have been on. The other thing, though, is, um, you know, when I was teaching primarily, of course, public classes in person, the primary customer there was the yoga student. And so that for me has always been such an important part of what I do is having access to people who practice yoga versus teachers who obviously are people. Um, However, when you're just teaching kind of general classes for me, as someone who focuses on anatomy, it's it's kind of a laboratory of sorts because you get to really examine people in movement and see how your cues land on their body. Of course, right now, and this is a lot of what I talk to teachers about who are in my program, when the primary way you're reaching people is by teaching online, you don't have as much um, visibility into how they look as they're practicing. Some People don't even turn their cameras on. So it does require that your um, style of teaching may remain the same, 
although you might have to make some adjustments to kind of meet the moment and what's happening right in front of you. So when I teach online, I'm very succinct in my cues. My cues tend to be very action oriented. So anyone can understand them as I'm seeing people log in. um, If anyone mentions anything about injuries or I just kind of notice something, if they do have their camera on, I might add lots of modifications And sometimes I do that anyway, because if I don't know the people who are signed in, I have no idea if someone might be there with their camera off and maybe they're older or maybe they have a mobility challenge or maybe they have a disability of some kind. So it's been really, really interesting for me to blend in modifications with the regular cues I share And to keep working on making that as seamless as possible so that everyone feels like I'm hearing a cue and it's not as if I'm hearing a cue and then I'm hearing a disclaimer. Well, if you have blah, 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 do it this way. Mm. I like to have it all just be part of the verbiage around the pose so that people can just access the cue that meets them where they're at. I love that. It really shows your commitment, I think, and that you become a better teacher of anatomy to other yoga teachers because you actually teach yoga still. Yeah. So you're still practicing your skills and, yeah. yes, and learning every day. Yeah. Oh, for I sure. And I'll share too, just a funny side note, my 78-year-old mother who has a shoulder replacement and a knee replacement in the past five years loves coming to my online yoga classes. And she lives in New Jersey. I'm here in Massachusetts. She, um, in my entire life, has only been to one of my in-person classes when she visited Boston many years ago. So the fact that she's even coming to my classes is amazing. The fact, though, that she's older and has these two uh, orthopedic implants does require that she modifies significantly. So when I log in to my free class and I see my mom is there, I know in my head, I need to offer a lot of modifications. And she's oftentimes in a class with a lot of other folks who are probably younger, who are, you know, just different in their mobility uh, statuses. And, um, and so as a teacher, that happens in in-person classes too. You'll have someone who's older, someone who has a, and you are, you know, your, um, I don't want to say your responsibility because that sounds kind of heavy, but the opportunity for you as a teacher is to teach in a way that allows access for everyone. Mm -hmm. And having a good understanding of anatomy is so central to being able to do that. Um, And so I love, I mean, obviously, this is a fun little side note uh, that my mom is coming to my yoga classes, (laughs) Um, but um, it's also a really good chance for me to improve my skills as a teacher. Yeah, so. and I think that's something that like the silver lining with the pandemic. Oh, um, sure. That so many people um, embraced learning online, teaching online. I know yoga teachers who don't want to go back to teaching in person. Others are going to mix it up. I know people who practice. I mean, I myself was so happy to get back into the studio, but I still practice online as well. Sometimes when you're short on time and you know you don't have a commute to go there. And so I love that it's getting like we have this mix, this virtual hybrid <laughs> um, yoga teaching learning environment now. Absolutely. I I am 100%. I mean, obviously, the the tragedy of the pandemic is something that, you know, is is a conversation of its own. I think, however, because of its presence, it has opened up opportunities that, um, that we didn't have before. And for someone like myself, who already had online, online learning as part of my offer, it just added more fuel to that fire because when my in-person classes went away, literally overnight on March 15th, I already had a whole other revenue source. And the reality was that was when teachers started to look for opportunities to learn online even more than they had been before. So I was poised already with an offer for people. And, um, so from a business side of things, that was 
that was really uh, something that was helpful for me to kind of keep yes. me steady financially. Yeah. And it's also true for yoga teachers. Um, it's not only, and it's also not only about teaching yoga online. You can think so much further. I think now people are really looking to more open to learn online about self care, self development, wellness, um, all those different things. Fitness. Yes. Yeah. So there's just like a really, really, um, huge market and opportunity but it's so scary for a lot of people to get started like, i don't know anything about tech i'm not good at selling where do i start so um is there anything you would have done differently when you were in the startup phase or any top tips that you can share well i will say this um one of the things that I think is sort of the downside of the internet is that there is so much access to free information. And while that might sound crazy, like, but isn't that a great thing? It is a great thing. However, I think where it becomes a problem is when you're someone who's trying to find information on a particular topic, or you want to learn something, or you want to start a business, the more you lean on free content to do it, the longer it will take you. Be, but because there's so much free information out there about everything, I mean, you could literally go on YouTube and find out anything about anything. However, that information isn't organized in a way that puts you as the user in the best position to learn it in an organized way and as effectively and as efficiently as possible. And so for me, when I started, my business, um, which is a bit of a story into itself. But when I really started leaning heavily on the online portion of my business or making that more robust, I tried to learn a lot of things on my own around how to build that portion of my business. And I resisted um, buying a program from someone who had done it before. And it was only when I connected with an entrepreneur who had experience in this area, who had a proven methodology to train online entrepreneurs, wasn't anything to do with yoga, just online entrepreneurship in general. It wasn't until I invested in that program that I really learned the techniques and the information I needed to get my program out to more people. And so I would say for anyone listening, If you want to start a business, if you are a yoga teacher and you want to get into the online space, um, look for programs that can help you build that out rather than trying to piecemeal it together. And I even say that oftentimes to teachers around the, the subject of anatomy, because teachers out of their 200 hour program, many, many times don't have a good understanding of anatomy. However, they kind of slog through a do-it-yourself learning process really for much of their teaching career until they get to a point where they say, I really don't know this and I need to go invest in a program. And so that's something that I would say is an, is a, is an approach that also works for learning anatomy. Rather than buying a book, rather than trying to kind of go through YouTube videos on your own, Look for a program that's going to specifically give you the skills you want around applying anatomy to teaching and invest in that. It'll save you money. It'll save you time. It's a quicker path to you becoming the confident teacher you want to become. Mm, yeah, that's so true. Um, I think we've all been there. <laughs> and um, was there like a magic moment when you realized, okay, now you it's this can become something serious and like um, like a full-time gig and you're ready to invest and to do more? Well, I mean, for me, I had, after I worked in the clinical setting after college, I had a very long career in the corporate healthcare setting. So I had a very good job making very good money. And I was in the corporate healthcare kind of managed care consulting uh, industry. And that was around the same time or during that part of my life career um, that I took that first yoga class I talked about before. And I knew when I took that class 
that being a yoga teacher was my path. However, because I was in this really good job and very invested in my business career, I wasn't ready and really didn't want to just drop my career for yoga teaching. And because I'm a very practical, pragmatic person, I knew that would be really ill-advised. <laughs> so I took about a year and a half where I practiced a lot. I took my initial teacher training with Baron Baptiste. I knew from that initial training, I absolutely wanted to teach full-time. So I created um, with a number of spreadsheets, <laughs> a plan, a financial plan, a life plan to get out of my corporate job and to start teaching full-time. Now, this was way back in 2002. So by the time I sold my house, quit my job, took the money from the sale of my house, used that as a kind of a nest egg until I built my teaching schedule up, it was a number of months. Um, but that was the way I did it. And I did that for a number of years. But then after a number of years of trying to make ends meet just teaching in-person classes, I had built up $30,000 of debt. I was basically supplementing my teaching income with a loan I had taken out in the hopes that eventually I would need to tap into the loan. But after a number of years, I was thinking, when is my teaching schedule going to lift the boat here to the level where I can support myself? And that was when I began to realize it's going to take something else to make teaching full-time a viable financial career path for me. And what I ended up doing at that point was I went back to a corporate job with a related company that I had worked for before taught part-time. And then after a couple of years of digging myself out of debt and teaching part-time, I re-emerged into a full-time teaching career, but with my own brand. Because before I was teaching for a teacher. So I was part of his kind of network. And to some extent, that's sort of restricted, not contractually, but time-wise restricted my ability to do other things. So when I re-emerged with my own brand, Bare Bones Yoga, I began to reach out and develop contracts and opportunities with, I had a, a strong passion for reaching children. And so I had contracts with schools and preschools, uh, libraries in the area. I had a whole bunch of private contracts that was involved in teaching in person. I had classes I taught in person, and that was when I really began to build out the anatomy courses. So after a number of years of that, I essentially built out a portfolio of teaching opportunities that allowed multiple revenue streams. I wrote a couple books that created some revenue there. Um, and so over the years, it's been a building process. Uh, but that decision to really go out on my own was really the turning point for me in opening up other doors, not only to my own creativity, but accessing people that I wanted to help, people that I wanted to reach out to, and in ways that really felt uh, authentic to me. I love it that you've been able to make it work for you. And over such a long period, I think that's so inspiring. And um, it's, yeah, so... What I would like to know is, um, you know, like, let's make it a little bit actionable for our listeners. Um, sure. So when they get started, so I would tell them probably, I mean, one of the first steps is really finding your niche. Right. Uh, you can't do everything and to everyone. And even if you say like, your yoga is going, my yoga is going to help for, for everybody. <laughs> That's especially in the online world. Right. Um, it's going to be much easier if you have a niche. You're going to be have successful much faster when you really know who you're talking to and what you're offering. Um, but after that, so, um, when it came to creating your online courses or your product suit, um, how do you approach that strategically now? Let's say like now for the next year, for 2022, how do mm -hmm. you set your sights forward and create your goals? Yeah. So, you know, 
I found that over the years, one of the things that's been really helpful is related to what you just brought up, this niching down. And for me, as as a yoga teacher and with what I offer, I've not only niched down into this area of helping teachers understand anatomy, um, I've also niched down in terms of the number of offers I have. And I think this is part of my strategy. It over the years became challenging for me to have a whole bunch of different things that I was offering people. And even though that might sound from a diversification standpoint, a good strategy, um, it's one of the one of the concepts that you have to kind of learn by doing <laughs> is that the repeatable nature of what you do is so important to be able to even on a scientific level of sorts, start to be able to evaluate results. If you're constantly changing what you're offering people, one month, it's a coaching program, one month, it's an online course, one month, it's um, a bunch of master classes. It becomes, even if you're making money, it becomes really hard to understand, well, what's working because you don't have anything you're offering consistently. It also becomes very challenging to keep that up because there's so many moving parts with everything you offer people to put that out into the world. And so over the past this year, more towards the latter part of this year, but absolutely next year, my focus has really become laser focused on my primary offer, which I love, which teachers love, which I have been so um, enthused by the testimonials that teachers who have graduated from the program have given. And I'm really all in on that offer. I know that my blueprint learning program works for teachers because their experience has validated that. And the, the program itself because it has a couple of components. One piece is an online course. One is an anatomy manual. One piece is access to a practice portal. And then there are coaching calls I give with teachers. Because there are four parts to that, I can beef up those parts. I can update the online course in terms of certain videos. I can improve the anatomy manual as I see fit. I can add to the practice portal to support them. I can add in more coaching calls or even create group coaching calls as an added option. So that's my all-in focus is to make, continue to iterate that offer and continue to to reach out to teachers with that. Um, and, And so I think I would say for anyone listening, you know, as much as people always talk about that shiny new object syndrome, like, oh, I hear about this app or now I should be on TikTok or whatever it is. The consistency you put into whatever you're doing will give you a track record, which you can then evaluate. Certainly after six months to a year, if you're not getting good results, and it might even be sooner than that, maybe it's 90 days, fine, table it, try something new. But think about maybe even tweaking it You know, I mean, just with my main offer, I've just done a couple of tweaks and it's allowed more results to come in rather than trashing the whole thing. So I think that was a a lesson for me that I needed to learn. And I would tell any of your listeners, you know, start with something and work it to a point where you really have some data you can use to evaluate. That's what I teach my student to. And I'm the same, actually. I'm like simplifying everything in my business right now. I was like, stop selling um, three different kinds of offers. And yes, I think um, we only have so much time and effort. And I think it's the same as in your yoga practice. Like if you do a handstand once every two months, you're never going to um, get better at it, right? So um, you need to... You need to um, practice and it's the same with selling and it's the same with like launching and creating content and like starting a podcast or whatever it is. Um, commit to it. I, I always tell my students commit to something like your niche as well. So I mean, we have all multi-passionate and every yoga teacher I know is like right. doing another training and, and I have to wait with my program because I want to finish that training and maybe then I can start 
putting offers out there. No, you start now with what you have and you identify like a problem you're solving. And then everything you learn and what you teach is just a tool that you give people. It's not like the main, nobody signs up for your online course, but you teach that thing. So, right. And, very, and then, yeah. yeah. And then just like commit to something for 90 days. doesn't have to be your niche for five years or something. It can evolve. It will evolve. And it will change. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And I think what you describe, I hear as well from teachers that I'm coaching. And, and even though my program's on anatomy, we oftentimes talk about other goals that they have for their teaching. And that's where those kinds of comments come up. I think, um, you know, there is for all of us as people, although if we just kind of frame it in the context of yoga teachers, there can sometimes be a lot of fears that come up, whether it's I want it to be perfect, or I'm afraid that people are going to judge me when I put this out into the world. And whether it's a podcast or a course or doing um, a bunch of Instagram lives or whatever it is. Uh, And so there is that component that we all are dealing with is how do we manage those fears as they come up? And, um, and despite them move forward. And, and that's a big part of, of our growth. And I think when you decide to be a yoga teacher, let's face it, you're deciding to be an entrepreneur. And that is uh, a pretty hefty undertaking. Um, I mean, I can certainly say when I juxtaposed what I do as an entrepreneur versus my corporate career, you know, I was getting a paycheck pretty much no it's matter so what. Different, right? <laughs> yeah. I think you learned. So I, I learned more about myself in the last five years um, as an entrepreneur than in like 15 years as an employee. Yeah. Very, very much so. And I do know, I mean, obviously now things are very different, very, very different. Um, you know, when I look back at my corporate career, it was before the emergence of the gig economy. It was before the emergence of, really just all of of what is now offered to people as a possible career online. But even now, the kind of employee lifestyle versus the entrepreneur lifestyle is a different one. And it is, there is an inherent risk when you go out on your own. And with that risk comes opportunity, just like in anything else. So you have to... What do you tell a yoga teacher who's like, I just want to teach and I just want to hand over marketing to someone else? Yeah. So I will share an experience that I had in that regard. I did um, early on, not in my teaching career, but when I really started to go full on into digital course creation, I did collaborate with an agency And they were very good and they were very well-intentioned, but I found that the handing over of that really released me from a requirement to understand what I was paying for and, um, and what they were doing for me. And I think that I see this a lot, especially as it relates to Facebook advertising Facebook advertising is very difficult to understand just by its nature. Even if you have a background in advertising, I have a background in software development, you're learning essentially how to manage software as well as the art of advertising. And so I can appreciate from running my own Facebook ads, it is there is a learning curve with that. However, when I've prior to just taking it on in terms of learning how to place ads, prior to doing that, when I outsourced it, I was essentially paying for the ads and paying for the consultant and not really understanding the results the person was sharing with me. And as soon as I realized the gap there, I knew no longer was I going to pay somebody to do something for me that I couldn't at least do myself, not because I wanted to do it myself, but because it was essential for me to know that they were doing a good job. And so what I ended up doing this year, which I, again, I should have done years ago is I bought a Facebook advertising program run by the person who runs the ads for the business mentor I have. And it's been the best investment I ever made because I have ongoing access to her for questions that come up. I went through her course, which taught me the basics. 
There's a private Facebook group where we have ongoing collaboration with all the people that have invested in the program. And so when, and whenever I have a question, I can first just go to the course and look up the answer rather than going to Google. So this is, again, more validation to this approach of trying to do everything yourself will just give you more grief and just take so much longer and you'll spend so much more money. So um, yeah, that's, that's one thing that, that I learned sort of the hard way, but now, you know, even before this call, I checked on some of the ads I was running and I just did it with such ease. And I thought to myself, I used to hate doing this and now I totally get it. And um, sure I could outsource it, but for right now, I've learned a way to integrate managing my ads with everything else I do. And it's it's something that I learned and I'm really proud of myself. I learned how to do it. I think that's a good point. This is so empowering when you learn something new, when you master something. And I think very often it's a confidence issue that we feel like we're not good enough to market right. this or we right. do this and um, without even trying first. Right. Well, so and we I feel think like, too- so somebody else will give you the, the more credit or something to your offers. And so you don't really believe in what you teach or what you share. And I think right. that's the issue that you have to address then. And right. Just like your fear of selling or marketing. Or- right. Exactly. And I think too, right now, I mean, you can go on the Fiverr website and hire somebody to do anything for you. They could do your Instagram posts. They could write your content for your sales page. They could run your Facebook ads. And so because entrepreneurs tend to be uh, so single-threaded and have so much on their list, I think sometimes it's just easier. People think it's just easier to outsource it. Well, if you have endless funding, go ahead and do it. But I think even in that case especially when it comes to things like writing your own emails and writing your own sales pages and placing your own ads. If you don't understand the content and the steps to do that, it's really hard to evaluate the value of the dollar you're spending. Sure. Over time, go for it. You know, at at some point, your business will grow and you'll want to outsource that. That's a good point. Yeah. It's not about not outsourcing or delegating, but right. Even then, you are still going to be the person who briefs people, who checks the output, and who who creates the strategy. And so you need to know what you're doing there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, So do you have any mindset blocks that you had to overcome building (laughs) your online business? Yeah. I mean, how much time do you have? No, no, no. Just kidding. (laughs) Um, I I will share one um, story along that line that I think... I don't know if people can relate to this, but maybe they can relate to this, but something that does really stand out in my mind, um, which is there was a point about three and a half, four years ago, um, where I really thought I was going to just throw in the towel on teaching full time. And I was very frustrated and I was thinking of kind of breathing life back into my corporate career and going back to work. So when I say going back to work, I mean, leaving teaching and going back to um, an employee type position. And I enlisted the support of um, uh, a coach with a background in neuroscience. And when, and the reason I did that is because I was really getting um, interested in kind of how the brain works and how self-limiting beliefs um, can reside in certain behaviors and certain mindsets that we have that we're not even aware of. And so when I went to my, it was online, when I went to my first session with her, the first thing she asked me was just kind of a general question. Tell me a little bit about why you're thinking of leaving yoga teaching and going back to a corporate type career. And I began to share uh, some of my thoughts with her. And one of the things that I was sharing with her was that I felt that I wasn't getting certain opportunities in my own business because other yoga teachers that I actually knew were getting opportunities because they continued to have a relationship with other teachers who were very, very popular teachers that we had trained with when we were up and coming in the industry. And after about, I don't know, two or three minutes of of this, she stopped me and she said, okay, Karen, look, if you're going to be on this call with me and continue to share these stories and make a bunch of excuses, we might as well just end this now. This conversation is about moving you forward, not spending time entrenched in your stories. 
And it really hit me like a ton of bricks. I mean, to the point where I actually started to cry. And I said to her something along the lines of, but this is what I've been telling like my parents and my boyfriend for years. Like I've been so wrapped up in all of this. And she said, well, they're probably not going to tell you. (laughs) It sounds like an excuse. I'm telling you because that's what you're paying me for. Right. And it was only then that I realized how a lot of these stories had developed in me over time. And you could kind of call them excuses, but in a way I had created a narrative around a lot of different things. Oh, well, this person's been on the cover of yoga journal. That's why this person's getting certain opportunities, or this person has a relationship with this other teacher who's very popular. That's why they're getting opportunities. And all of that was really an excuse. And it really disempowered me from taking responsibility for the things that I could take responsibility for. And in a way, it was really shutting me off from my own way of sharing in an authentic way as to what makes me different, as to the things that I love. And so that was really a turning point for me. And after several sessions with uh, with her, um, I really felt more on track, more able to focus on what I wanted to offer people. And that really became a pivotal point for me. And, and I've never looked back since then. I mean, yes, there have been ups and downs, but I am so much more able uh, to right the ship when I find myself getting into those old beliefs. I've done a lot of other work as well. Um, I use a lot of meditation. I actually use crystals and tarot cards as well. I do a lot of reading on neuro-linguistic programming, a lot of reading on neuroscience. I'm very much kind of straddling both the empirical, scientific, as well as the mystical, energetic. And um, I take from all things um, to, to really stay uh, positive and stay aware of these patterns and habits that um, can really bring us into that place of fear. Thanks for sharing that story. That's really, yes, it's, you're so right. <laughs> and it's empowering. And those stories that we, that we um, tell ourselves, they're so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't often people- even realize them. Yeah, that's what I meant, like this entrepreneurship has been this road of (laughs) self-discovery and self-acceptance and self-love and putting yourself out there, stepping out of your comfort zone. And instead of being afraid of that or shying away from it, I now really see it as this, yeah, I'm going to learn from that. I'm grateful for all those experiences, even if I know I'm going to be uncomfortable. Um, It's just a great opportunity and I'm just grateful that I can experience that and not just stay stuck like in my little office job and just like let life pass by basically. Yeah. And I think too, I think when, when you do different things, it does bring you face to face with fears that sometimes you didn't even know you had. And, um, and whether it's the fear of showing up, I mean, I can remember back to my first teacher training, there was a teacher in the training with me, who taught in our practice sessions from the back of the room. And when we asked her why she explained from being a small child, she was very, very shy. And it actually related back to some negative feedback she received from her mother when she um, was growing up. And so these things can be very deeply rooted and we are not always aware of them. And, um, and so part of my work on myself is to kind of keep shining the light on these things and, you know, be with that fear, that feeling in your body and, and start to ask questions and be curious, like, where is this coming from? What am I really afraid of here? And um, for me, sometimes it's a fear of spending money and having fears around money. And a lot of that, I've done a lot of work on to understand where does that come from? So, um, yeah, I mean, it's going to be different for everyone, but I think there's so much that we're capable of as individuals. If we frame it just around yoga teachers, so much of the work that we do with people is through our ability to share of ourselves, not the details of ourselves, but to shine authentically, whether I'm teaching a group of people online 
or teaching them in person, whether I'm training a group of yoga teachers or teaching a public class, um, the more of an ability I have to really be present and to really be myself, the better exchange energetically will be there for the students and, and the more clear I'll be in my presentation so of, of yoga. So it's just, um, it's really important work. And, and I think for the yoga teachers listening, we know this in part because when you look at the eight limb path, I mean, that's kind of baked in this whole idea of working deeper and deeper, turning the lens inward. Um, and just in life, we can pull a lot of just general themes from that as well. Yes, definitely. Oh my God, I could go on talking with you forever. <laughs> There's so much more. I want to know like how you build your audience and all that, but I think we have to wrap it up for today. Of course. Of so, course. Thank you so much for your time. Yes. Um, been I, I loved being here and, and thank you so much for, for having me. I loved it. Thank you. Where can people go to learn more about you? Yeah. So the best way I think is obviously you can go to my website, which is barebonesyoga.com. I think though, a nice interactive way to connect with me is on my Instagram, barebonesyoga. And um, I'm, I do lots of videos there, reels, things like that. And another thing is what we've talked about, come to class, come to one of my free online classes. When you go to the website, you'll see the virtual class page and you can sign up. That's I would say one of the best ways to interact with me, to meet me, to experience yoga, you'll get a practice in totally free, a half an hour. And, um, and then you can see what you think. Thank you, Karen. And I'll add the link to the show notes. Thank you Absolutely. so much for being here. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blissful Biz Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This would mean the world to me. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss a new episode. To learn more about how to work with me one-on-one, -on -one, my courses and membership, or to get instant access to freebies, workshops, and more, go to susannoreicher.com right now. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time. Hey there, interrupting for a short announcement. I'm hosting a virtual bootcamp to help you kickstart your online business from May 6th to May 10th. And I would love to see you there. It's the make your first or next $5,000 online bootcamp. And you can save your spot for this free virtual event when you go to my website, susannereicher.com forward slash bootcamp. That's S-U-S-A-N-N-E-R-I-E-K-E-R.com forward slash bootcamp. I'm going to go live every day from Monday to Friday with a live training on how to elevate your vision, choose your profitable niche, amplify your content, nail down your signature offer to make your first or next $5,000. I can't believe how freaking fun, valuable, and powerful this virtual event is going to be. You'll get five live stream trainings, all of the recordings in case you can't make it live or need to leave early, access to my new community, the Midlife Biz Hive, including tons of additional trainings for you to dive in, the chance to ask any questions in our calls or in the community. It'll be amazing. This event is a real game changer, whether you're just starting out or you've been at it for a while, but feeling a bit stuck around the maybe $2,000 to $3,000 monthly mark. If you're eager for more and ready to figure out the online business puzzle, this is the perfect place to kickstart your journey to bigger and better results.